When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 503 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ben Hilton, and unfortunately, I did have a few cancellations this week with guests, so it is just me again. But don't worry, I have some fun guests planned for next week that I think that you will enjoy, including one of those debuts that you're like, how has this guy never been on the show? Well, you're going to see that next week. The good news, or maybe bad news, is that after the transfer window business and start of the season, it's actually a rather slow news week this week. And you know what? That is totally okay with me. But there was still some things to talk about, including a rather youthful Champions League squad list that debuted, the award nominees, and more updates with the Spanish Federation business that often I kind of cover. But I want to keep going over it because I think that is what those who are looking for justice deserve in this instance. So let's dive right in, though, talking about the Champions League squad. And I want to pose this question at the very start of this. How will Xavi handle the youth? Now, I don't know if you saw the Champions League squad drop, but something is clear. Due to Barcelona's financial restraints, or maybe because he trusts them, Xavi is an injury or two away from playing legitimate teenagers, not Barca Athletic 21 or 22-year-olds, teenagers, in key spots this season. So instead of asking a question that I think is reductive and I keep seeing is that, will Xavi play the kids when they say, oh, well, Pau Cabarsi, I just read about him, therefore he needs to be a starter for Barcelona this season. No, no, it's not will Xavi play the kids. Again, that idea is absurd because Gabi, Balde, Pedri, and Lamine Yamal are all 20 years or less years old, so they're already part of the team. It's not a matter of Xavi playing some kids, it's whether or not Xavi is going to be forced to almost play all the kids. 
Because looking back at that depth chart, though, and I'm going to use a hypothetical 11 here that has everyone healthy, which we already know isn't the case with Pedri for at least the first match in the Champions League. But let's say he is for other decisions down the road. The 11 that I'm saying and the depth then behind them consists of Ter Stegen, Balde, Kunde, Araujo, Kinsello, De Jong, Romeu, Pedri, Gundogan, and then for argument's sake, let's say Lewandowski and Rafinha at center forward and at right wing. So behind Ter Stegen, we have Inaki Pena. Then you lost some experience with Ano Tanas last season. And this season, you even lost more experience with Ano Tanas as your third goalkeeper because you jumped down to 19-year-old Ander Astralaga and 17-year-old Diego Cochin. And Cochin, by the way, five years younger even than Ano Tanas, who was not making first-team appearances anyway. But as I said, one injury to Ter Stegen and Inaki Pena, if you don't trust him, well, again, now you're jumping down to a player who, for Diego Cochin, is registered with the U19s. But you do expect Ter Stegen to be healthy, and very rarely, I mean very, very rarely, do you have multiple injuries to goalkeepers, so Inaki Pena expected to be the backup. Balde is backed up by Cancelo, switching sides, and Marco Alonso. I, I think that is pretty much what we're going to see from there. Again, if it's not Balde, then Cancelo, there are more options to play right back. And then Marcos Alonso, I don't know whether it's going to be Cancelo or Alonso as second on that depth chart, because again, I don't have Alonso in other spots really. But after even those three, Xavi would need to get creative. But as I said, I don't think that's going to be a permutation we're going to deal with. So don't worry about any youngsters. That's why they were comfortable, that being the club, sending Alex Valle to Levante out on loan to see what he can provide in the future. Center backs are Rajo, Kunde, Christensen, Inigo Martinez. And then I'd expect Frankie moves back because it doesn't cost you a sub. And then in case of emergency, it would be Alonso there at the back. So believe it or not, that's a bit of coverage there. I know I just mentioned six players for four spots and Frankie is a midfielder. So really five players for two spots rather. So, you know, not counting Frankie or Alonso, let's say they're already covering. Now here's where things get complicated though. The fifth choice is Pau Gubarsi, who I already just mentioned. He's 16 years old. His birthday is in January, but he signed his professional contract in July and has already been on the first team bench. Faye, who we saw in the preseason, has actually impressed in his one match with Barca Athletic after sorting out the bureaucratic stuff and paperwork with his home country of Senegal. So now that he is fully with Barca Athletic, you know, I had said about him before, just because Xavi might be waiting on him and letting him get a few months to actually be playing in Europe. Remember, he played less than six months in the second division in Croatia. And before that, he just came out of one of the more esteemed academies in Senegal. But aside from that path, he hasn't truly played that much not even third division football, but he hasn't really played that much football in Europe. And it's fair for Xavi to say, hey, you see what those physical tools are. This does not mean that it's Kubarsi's route into the first team before Faye or anything like that. It just means that the club wants Faye to kind of get his feet wet at Barca Athletic. And if he's going to look that good, you're going to see him in the spring in the Liga. Don't you worry about that, at least on the bench. But either way, it's Kubarsi who gets named to the Champions League squad list, at least for the group stages. And he's already making the first team bench with Araujo out. What you need to know about him, that being Kubarsi, he was born in Girona, came to Barcelona in 2018, so still seven aside at the time. And then he was the third youngest Barcelona player to debut in the UEFA Youth League behind Laminia Mall and Ilash Moriba last season. Now, it's easy to get lost in hyperbole, but to me, of what I've seen of him and what many others kind of agree with me on, he is the best center back prospect from the academy that I've seen since we're going back now almost 15 years in Mark Muniesa, whose debut came at the age for the first team of 17 back in 2009. Now, I know Muniesa may not be the name you want to hear, but it's a reminder how even sure things don't work out with teenagers, including Ilas Mariba. Every reason is different, but there's still reasons every time. 
But regardless of the name, Muniesa, the point is that the club hasn't been this high on a teenage center back this young in a while. The other two that I would say for your purposes are Eric Garcia and Gerard Piquet, who both were probably even more highly esteemed center back prospects than Muniesa, but they both went to a Manchester team, that being City and United respectively, at the age of 17. So that meant that they weren't going to get called up if they're playing for a different team and they had left the academy altogether. It seems like Kubarsi, because he signed a professional contract with the likes of Man City calling up and, and wanting his services, seems like he's going to be that next in line to get a very early teenage center back call up, which as we talk about with goalkeepers, with center backs, it's a lot more rare than it is talking about wingers or, or even midfielders when it comes to teenage players. But back to our 11s though, right back is Cancelo, his backup is Sergio Roberto, or is it Christensen and Kunde in the middle and Araujo on the right? Either way, those are three situations with four players involved that happen before we go any deeper. So as I said, if it's not Cancelo, it's going to be Roberto or Kunde or Araujo, depending on, again, substitution patterns and whoever's healthy, either before the match, if the injury occurs during the match, whatever we'll have to see, you understand that. And Hector Fort would have been the right back, I think you might have seen in the Champions League squad coming from the academy, but he is not ready yet and expect him to be competing, as I said, for that Barca Athletic starting spot. And I think after that happens, again, there are huge and bigger injury issues if there is not coverage from those three. But I think the other option would be Mark Casado, who played right back with the first team last preseason, just to get him on the field. That's why he played it right back. But if there's a situation where he's playing right back, as I said, Barca may have a much bigger problem because I do think Casado was put on the Champions League roster for pivot depth. Which, speaking of, if Xavi plays his four-man midfield, those two deeper spots are Romeu and De Jong. But Pedri, Gabi, and Gundogan can all play there too, depending on the game situation, like Gabi just did in his 100th appearance against Osasuna. I know they are playing elsewhere, but I think we see the move and a high interior sub before we see Casado, who is next on that list. So I would expect to see Pedri, Gabi, and Gundogan drop a bit deeper because Xavi has shown that he wants to start in even a more defensive 11, and then you throw on as many wingers and attackers as you can late on in the match, depending on the situation. Casado turns 20 in less than a week, but it is a reminder that he's still just 20. It feels like he should be older, but that's not a bad thing with how important he is to Barca Athletic now going on his third season there. The real question, though, for Casado, is it him or is it Sergio Roberto next coming on as that midfield sub even after that? Probably based on substitution patterns, it's Roberto because he can't play multiple positions. And honestly, Roberto is probably still the better player too, which shouldn't be a shocking statement, by the way. Your captain in Sergio Roberto is still likely, even though we know, obviously, he's a step down from the starting 11 this season, which is a good thing. He is still, again, a better professional at this point than Casado. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background, 
that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For those high interiors, as I already said, it's Pedri, it's Gabi, it's Gundogan, but then it's Jao Felix. Easy. There it is. And then Ferran Torres closes out games technically in one of those spots, if Lewandowski stays on the field. Then it's Fermin Lopez, then it's Asgarito, who is 19 to Fermin's 20. So that's all pretty straightforward, actually. I know people are frustrated with Ansu and Abde and the feeling that if Xavi needs to play a winger on the left, he doesn't have an answer. But this team indicates that he isn't planning on doing that. But also, if Pedri is already out and one of Gabi or Gunawan go down... Then we know that it's Felix, it's going to be him, and Ferran Torres, and Fermin Lopez is now one of your bench options. And Fermin Lopez has earned his spot, but he's still registered with Barca Atletico for a reason. So that does put a lot on the success of Jao Felix, and he comes as being the player that arrives as a forward. Yes, he's a different player than Bernardo Silva, but now you're seeing those substitution patterns. That's going to be what Xavi has. In the middle, it's Lewandowski, then it's Ferran Torres, and I think Jao Felix, again, an option there as well. If they are blowing out the competition, it's Anna Alakan, who the club does seem to like even through all his injuries. It is a testament to the 19-year-old who turned 19 back in May. He's played something like 60% of games in the last three seasons, and the club still backs him to potentially help contribute with the first team. He has that Ferran Torres-esque movement that makes him a good fit in Xavi's system, either on the left or in the middle. But again, you are talking about an injury to a guy in his mid-30s in Lewandowski, and then let's say that Xavi is already having Ferran Torres and Jao Felix on the field elsewhere. Well, then quickly, Alakan is being asked to be hero off the bench. On the right, it's Rafinha and Lamini Mall, and also Ferran Torres and Alakan, I guess, and maybe Alex Garrido, like we saw in his debut last season. So I think the depth on the right side is pretty clear. 
But as I said, this idea that Xavi doesn't trust youth, speaking directly about that right wing depth, is completely nuts. The club could have brought in a 30-year-old something that isn't good enough for the same depth, but Xavi is rocking with his 19 first-teamers, including Cancelo and Felix, and then six from Barca Athletic and two from the U19s. If he didn't trust to play young players, they wouldn't be the players he might be forced to play in, in case of too many injuries. He wouldn't be able to trust those eight players coming up from the academy who were given Champions League squad spots. Usually, the number is more like three or four, so to see eight but it's not even eight because we have seen larger numbers as well coming from the academy or whatever. But that's when there's 23 to 25 first team players registered. You've got just 19 first team players registered. And that to me is the bigger number. So let's get back to the big question. How will he handle the youth? Well, as I laid out with the permutations of subbing patterns, I don't think he'll really be overplaying or putting them in crazy spots unless there are like four or five injuries at the same time, which isn't impossible. But Barca usually finds a way to limit it to two or three at once. Lamini Mall continues to be the only one of the new names of this season, so not Gabi. That could feature a lot more than we expected this season. And also, also speaking of Gabi, we can celebrate 100, but he just turned 19 in August. He started 79 of those 100 games, so he wasn't a bit player. He was a starter. And he's now the quickest in Barca history to 100 appearances. Behind Boyan Kerchik, who wasn't a regular starter the whole time, Pedri, who broke, Ansu Fati, who somebody else broke, and Messi, who was inhuman. That's a lot of games for Gabi, and Pedri's injuries don't make it easier. Now, watching that Amazon Prime documentary, I think I sometimes downplay just how important Gabi is to this team because I'm patient with the improvements I think he will make and I think he still needs to make. For 124 years of history, not that many players hit 100 appearances at all. And for him to do it at 19 is, again, bananas. As I keep adding context to, I'm very prepared to already be calling this group of Barca 16 to 20-year-olds a golden generation. A bit out of necessity, sure, but they are still rising to the occasion when they're asked to play. And adding Kubarsi, as I said, who could be breaking ground as a 16-year-old center back, it's just something you don't see. You don't see 16-year-old center backs not only even making the first team bench, but if he does start to make a few appearances, it just doesn't happen at 16 for center backs. It's just wild to think that him and Lamine Yamal at the same time as well as Gabi and Pedri, who already have broken all these things, and Ansu, I know he's on loan, but even recently, he's still 20, so in theory, he's still part of that generation, even if it doesn't completely work out. And wrapping up this segment, speaking of Boyan Kerchik, he will be taking on a new role at the club, and hopefully the perfect role for him with his return to the club, I should say. He'll be helping transition the teenagers into life in the first team. He's also being expected to be reaching out to the young players on loan. Ansu, cough, Ansu, cough. I should be coughing. <laughs> Ansu, I've been, I've been sick lately, so I don't. I feel a little guilty about coughing when I'm I've gotten better. So to make sure they are still feeling incorporated in the long-term future of the club, you get the point. That's what Boyan's job is going to be. And I don't see what the downside is to something like this. A real cynic will have to let me know what it is, but I think putting Boyan in this kind of circumstance, somebody really has done it. I mean, look at all the lists of young players. It's Boyan, it's Messi, and then it's a random player from the 20s or 30s or the 40s that even I you know, usually have to Google and go back and do my homework on. But yeah, Boyan and, and Messi, that is the list in the 21st century. On to segment number two, the award nominations. Oh, goody, it's French football award season. Ballon d'Or nominees, Copa Trophy, and Yashin Trophy nominees. Starting with the men's Ballon d'Or, Lewandowski, this is his eighth nominee, should have won it in 2020. And I know for Barca fans, they would have wanted Messi to win it anyway at that time, but he probably deserved his one in 2020. It's not going to happen this year. And then Gundogan getting his first nomination. But the winner of this award, 
I mean, I've heard things and I've seen Real Madrid fans that I respect even. <laughs> They've not put Messi on their three-person ballot. Many are saying Holland. I've seen Vinny Jr. up there as well. Antoine Griezmann from the Liga as well. Another one of those shouts. And then the Premier League going to win. I mean, there's a reason he's here. You have to reward who was one of the best players for Man City who did. They were the team in club football who conquered it all. But you know the name I'm going to say. Not even a Barca perspective. It's Messi. I Just looking at recent awards. I mean, Luka Modric is the reason why Messi, I think, wins this. It's not only winning the World Cup, but the way he won the World Cup. Modric got second at the World Cup in 2018, and that wrapped him up the Ballon d'Or. And yes, Real Madrid won the Champions League too, but several players were just as important on Madrid. It doesn't matter that PSG were knocked out early by their expectations. It's Messi. Not Holland. Not saying any other name. It's Messi. And then for the women's Ballon d'Or, six nominations. Sama Pariello, Anad as a teenager, Patri, Aitana, Mapilion, Ashwala, and Ralfo, and of course, Patri and Mapilion, not because of the World Cup contributions, of course, because they, they rightly did not take part for what they did with the Barca Femini. Aitana and Sama also won the World Cup, by the way, and Aitana was named the best player there as well. So this one's pretty simple as well. It's Aitana, as I said, it would be months ago. When Alexia Buteus went down, I knew it would be Aitana. She has been the best in the world over the last year, and the trophies back that up. Winning the Champions League made her the favorite, but she surpassed her own feminine teammates by also winning the World Cup, wrapping up the title. For the Copa Trophy, the best player under 21, Pedri and Gabi have the last two, and they were still eligible, but now it's Balbe. Outside backs don't win this award, so even being nominated is a testament to how good Balbe has been. Barca has three of the 10 candidates total, but I don't think any of those three are winning it this year. Again, it's about a campaign. It's about breaking in somebody new. And I don't think Kamavinga or Musiala get it either. And Erasmus Hoyland will basically get punished for being with Atlanta for the majority of the work he did for this award. Same for Xavi Simmons at PSV, Antonio Silva for Benfica, and Eliwai for Montpellier and Len. And that leaves Jude Bellingham, who due to recent events with Real Madrid, I know recently Bayez will definitely, certainly be a part of this. If he was maybe winning it before for what he did for Borussia Dortmund in the last year, he's definitely winning it now because of recency bias. And you have to let them get one of these, right? Los Blancos, or it wouldn't be a rivalry in the future. And it says Barcelona have all the good young players. So I do think Bellingham is going to not even run away with this award, but he's going to win this award. Making that move to Real Madrid is going to be enough. I, I know that these awards aren't won in the transfer market, but we also know that they can be when you have a big talent like that making a big move and then it works out so well. And it's not like he was a slouch for Borussia Dortmund. He was arguably at times their best player as they fought for the Bundesliga title with Bayern Munich last year. Ter Sagan was nominated for the Austin Trophy. People were mad about Allison not making it, but Ter Sagan wouldn't be the one to lose his spot for the Brazilian. And for those who asked why Ter Sagan didn't get a nomination for the Ballon d'Or, the questions about being Germany's number one and the lack of success this year for Germany, coupled with the goals that Barca conceded in the Champions League, his Liga campaign wasn't going to be enough to overshadow those things, so I get it. I also don't think he's winning the Austin Trophy, but hey, again, a nomination for Ter Sagan means that he was good enough and had enough of a bounce back that, again, he helped Barcelona win the Liga, and Kules know what he's all about. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Last segment here is the Spanish Federation update. So Jorge Vilda, good news, has been fired. And Luis Rubiales, the Spanish Federation president, was suspended for 90 days, that being on August the 27th, as we already talked about, after refusing to step down. He was suspended by FIFA, whose disciplinary judges will consider his case now. And due to the kiss, Hermoso is also at time of recording in the process of filing a sexual assault case against him, which based on a law passed last year in Spain, could see him face a fine or prison sentence of one to four years if found guilty. Also, the Spanish government could find him in violation of his authority by kissing Hermoso, even under the grounds that the outcome is that he made Spain look bad. If they say he did, he would be unable to be Federation president for up to two years. If that's not enough, the Federation could also do a vote of no confidence. But after that presser and the support he got there, I wouldn't put your money on it, even if multiple figures, including Luis de la Fuente, who had to apologize for having support and clapping and said, oh, I was in a tough spot there. But there are people, I think, who feel like, hey, if he's going down, then I'm going down too. So I don't expect a vote of confidence. So what I think will happen, though, without a full understanding of the Spain legal system, but also knowing just how protected these men in power are, I think the buzz dies down a bit. Over the next few weeks, of course, it's really hard to keep these things going. And he gets relieved of his position in a few weeks or months in, we'll say, quieter fashion. I do think that the backlash, however, is enough and has gone on long enough that I think he will get removed, which is the whole point of this, to get him out of his position and get him away from the Federation and no longer with any authority and power, especially over the women's programs in Spain. But I, again, the cynic in me says, I don't think he faces any legal punishment outside of a small fine. And he'll be paying that quietly behind the scenes. But he will not be Federation president by January 1st. That is my prediction. Because I do think these efforts have done their job enough to remove him from power, which, again, was easier said than done. In the meantime, related but unrelated, Liga F, the Women's Domestic League in Spain, has been delayed in starting due to a strike on the minimum wage. Players are asking for a minimum of 25,000 euros, and they want it to rise to 30,000 for next season. Last season, it was at 16,000, the first year that the league was fully professional. And based on concessions that the league made this week in relation to childcare and eliminating part-time contracts, there will come a point very soon where they cave based on revenue that the league is losing. The latest response from the league was 20,000 that could rise to 23,000 with commercial benefits. Again, I think they agree, looking at where the middle is, I guess there, I think they agree on about 23,000 with benefits to 26,000 and 27,000 with benefits to 30,000 the following year which again does kind of get them to the numbers they wanted, but again, through negotiations and a back door. But let's see how long this takes. I do think that this does get done in the next week or two, just because of the concessions that both sides are making, which I think, again, is a positive thing in these negotiations. But I will say too, yeah, the minimum wage, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the minimum wage. You're not talking even about any of the Barca players, because none of them are on the minimum wage, 
other than I believe the academy prospects that are still technically on academy deals. So when they would fully get promoted to the first team, then they likely wouldn't be on minimum wages anyway if you broke into Barca Femini's first team. You're talking about the rest of the league, especially the bottom half that could be facing relegation as well. And if you're a player in the Spanish first division in Liga F and you're in fear again of being relegated to the second division, then you're going to want a minimum salary that is going to even help you transition the following season. If you're going to have promotion and relegation, there has to be some kind of umbrella or windfall or something to help these players out. Lower divisions are not professional, and it gets really sad really quickly, and it gets really dangerous financially really quickly, and now you're no longer professional when you might be good enough to be. You just happen to be on the team that got relegated. Unfortunately, we had to end on a sour note, but hey, these stories this week were a bit in the weeds, a bit more nuanced than we usually get into, but again, it was a slow news week. And you could pop off about certain transfers or whatever, but I think there's a lot of agent work being done in the week after the transfer window closes to make sure, hey, in January, my client is available and come get us for an inflated cost. That's what I see when I see a lot of these new names being popped up just a few days after the transfer window closes. Agents still have to do their job even when they're not making deals and wheeling and dealing. So there it is. Again, you know where to follow us if you're still with me at this point. Just subscribe to the channel on YouTube. It's a big help. Again, if you want to keep having me do that this year throughout the season, subscribing to the channel is the best way to get that to happen. Those numbers are important when I try to continue to try to get people to care about the channel. And that means having with sponsors and things like that, as you notice, still do not exist. So the best way to help me out is to get people to subscribe to it and subscribe yourself. And then for the podcast, we're doing well. Just keep listening keep enjoying every show and i appreciate especially the podcast listeners and as always until next time for the barca this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.